Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. thank God for his healing power because God is good and he's greatly to be praised. Ah, oh, yeah. Lord, you are so good and we love you today, God. We just want to lift up your voice, lift up our voices and give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, God.
God, yes. We thank you, God, because you are good. And you're great. And you're greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. How great you are, Jesus. We just want you to know, God, how great you truly are. We just want to lift up our hearts and our voices to you right now, God, to let you know how great you are. Hallelujah. And how grateful we are for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing it, y'all. Let's sing it.
give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, surely you can do better than that. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Father, we thank and praise you right now for how great you really are. We just give you all the glory, honor, and praise that we're here today because of you. We have breath in our lungs because of you. We woke up today because of you. And God, we say you are great. You're mighty. You're magnificent. You're wonderful. And we thank you in advance right now for what we get out of tonight's service. Father, we're reminded of your goodness. We're reminded of your glory. We're reminded of the truth of who we are in you. And we say that you are great. A great, great, great God. And tonight, you are welcome in this place, Holy Spirit, to move up and down every aisle and in and out every road, to touch, heal, deliver, set free, and make whole. If there's anything wrong in our lives, we declare that it's made right by the light of your word. And we just give you all the glory, honor, and praise that as your word comes forth, may it be none of me and 100% all of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on and give God a hand clap of praise one more time. Welcome to World Changers. Why don't you go ahead and greet the person nearest to you and tell them that you're glad that they made it out on tonight. And we're going to go ahead and dive into tonight's message. Amen. Welcome once again. How y'all doing tonight? Amen. Everybody doing well? You had a good Thanksgiving? Amen. We back on the wagon again and everything and uh, okay, well, well, we'll keep going. Amen. <laughs> well, we, uh, tonight we're going to continue on with um, where we left off before the break. Um, and we've been talking about still about uh, righteous ruling and righteous living, but we have begun to focus on uh, the section of, okay, so now I have to transform and change so that I can be that mature believer God wants me to be, but how does that happen? And we begin to study out uh, what the Word of God said about uh, when we change, uh, we change by beholding uh, God and beholding Jesus. And we're going to break that down a little bit more tonight on what that means. But I think it was the Wednesday right before um, the break, we begin to talk about the fact that we had to let go of some things and throw some things off and then allow the Holy Spirit to change us and put some things back on. How many of you guys remember that? Okay, and, and, and we begin to say as we put things back on, we're putting on not just anything, but we're putting on the fact uh, that we are a new creation in him. And we begin to look at other people who put things on. And we talked about, I think, Joseph, and I, I think we talked about David last. Um, so we're going to tie all that together a little bit better tonight. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. Uh, we'll start in the... Uh, New Living Translation, Ephesians 4, 17, and then we'll uh, perhaps go, uh, we may look at the Amplified, but Ephesians 4, 17, uh, it says, when the Lord's authority, uh, with the Lord, sorry, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Why? For they are hopelessly, what does that say? Confused. The King James says it this way, it says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, Paul is, ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. So he's making a distinguishment between the church in Ephesus who are now believers and other Gentiles who are unbelievers. He's saying don't walk like they walk anymore in the vanity of of their mind. This New King James Version says, in the futility of their mind. The Amplified says it this way, that you must no longer live. So it's saying walking, he's really talking about having a lifestyle. You no, you no longer live, how? As the heathen or the Gentiles do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls and the futility of their mind. 
So he's saying, this is how you used to be, and this is how they still are, but it's time for you to change. He's saying, no longer should you live or walk or, 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 or act like them. He's saying, we have a new way that we should be behaving. Uh, let's go to the New Living Translation. Actually, go to the King James, verse 18. It says, having the understanding darkened. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. Now, he's saying a whole lot, but a very simple point in verse 18. He says, uh, go back to the beginning of that. He says, having their understanding. Where does understanding take place? In my mind. Having their understanding, is their understanding light, enlightened? No, he said darkened. So in their mind, there's darkness. They're not seeing things the way it really is. Being alienated from the life of God. When something's alienated, uh, that means it's foreign or it's no longer, it's, it's apart. He's saying their minds are dark. They're not living or they're not in the life that God has for them. How? Through the ignorance, where does ignorance happen? Where do I not know something in my mind? Through the ignorance that is in them. Keep going. You got the second part of that? Okay, yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh, because of the blindness of their heart. Now, what heart are we talking about? The mind. So is it fair to say we're talking about the mind? But not just anything about the mind. He's saying, listen, it's time to change from being like the Gentiles were or are, how you used to be, and it's time to change where? In your heart or in your mind. The old way is you were alienated from the life God had for you. The old way is your thinking was darkened. The old way is that you just don't see things the way God sees them for you. And he says it's time to change. Keep going, verse 19. He says, this I say, therefore, this I say, therefore, sorry, who being past, filling have given themselves over to, unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Keep going. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth in Jesus, that you put off, somebody say put off, concerning the former conversations, the old man. I think uh, the NLT says, throw off. Throw off the old man or the old nature. Now, we're talking about our acts. He's talking about the mind, right? So when he's saying put off the old nature, he's talking about put off that old mindset. He said, you haven't learned this lascivious, sinful way from Christ, he's saying as a new creation or a new creature, you got to put off that old mindset. Because that old mindset is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed, somebody says renewed. And where am I renewed at? In the spirit of my mind. Now I think we talked about this the other day. I don't know if uh, I still got this up here or not. Got our Christmas lights here. So I'm going to try to dodge all of this. But it talks about, we talked about before different types of change that has been taking place in our lives. And it's upside down before you right now. <laughs> but the first change that takes place in the life of a believer is where? It's where? When I'm saved, what's changed? My spirit's changed, right? Now, doesn't that scripture say spirit? But what spirit is that talking about? How do I know it's not talking about my spirit on the inside of me, the real me? Yeah, lowercase, it's talking about the spirit of your mind. It's not saying the Holy Spirit moving in. That's a change that happens, but that's the first type of change. That's when your spirit gets saved, the Holy Spirit begins to move in. That's a first change. But this is talking about the second change, which is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
So Paul's not dealing with the fact, he's not saying get saved. They're already saved. They're believers. That's why he's telling them, because you are believers, it's time to stop acting like the Gentiles or the unbelievers. Are you with me? He said it's time to change, and then he begins to explain to them why they can change. He's saying because you have learned how to be different because of Christ. They're darkened in their minds. They don't understand. They don't see. They don't get all of this. But you have been enlightened by the truth of Christ. And as a result, you can change. Amen? But now in order for you to change, he's saying, there's three things you got to do. He said, the first thing you got to do is you got to throw off this old nature. You got to get rid of, you have to get rid of, you have to make the choice, I am no longer going to be like the person I used to be. Do you realize that in order for us to change, we have to desire to change? I mean, I wish there was some deep way to say it, but it kind of starts off that simple. In every stage of your change, be it spirit, soul, or body, you are the, uh, are the agent in the process that has to choose it. Amen? Amen. Life is choice-driven. We live or die by the choices that we make. I'll say that again. Life is choice-driven. We live or die by the choices we make. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that. What well, the Bible says, it says, I've said before you, life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. It says that right there in Deuteronomy. And, he, and he's saying here, the first thing you got to do is obviously you have to choose to believe in Jesus, and then we're saved. But now you have to choose to throw off that old nature. You got to choose to throw off that old nature. And then what was the second thing he said? Once I throw that off, I have to then what? Let the Holy Spirit renew me. All I, my part is to make the choice that I don't want to be the same. I don't want to be that old person. I don't want to be the cusser. I don't want to be the liar. I don't want to be the thief. I don't want to be the adulterer. I don't want to be the fornicator. I don't want to be the cheater. I don't want to be the person that I used to be. Instead, I want to be who he's created me to be. Is there anybody here who wants to be who God has created us to be? I mean, secretly, when we're at home uh, and we're away from everybody else and we know the things we struggle with and, and the things that we're thanking God for grace on, and we're like, ooh, thank you for your mercy and grace for this because if it wasn't for mercy and grace, I'd be just a mess right now. Those secret things that, that are in our heart, and we're like, Lord, help me with this. He's saying that the first step to you being changed is you just decide that you don't want to be that no more. And with that, make the decision to, and I like the way, go to the New Living Translation on verse 18, because I like the way it says it there, but make the decision to throw off. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you get out the bed, you throw off the covers. Well, once you actually get up. <laughs> you throw off the cover, and, and that means that what was there is no longer there. What was there is no longer there. And it's interesting because when you throw off those covers, you're, you're exposed. And when we throw off the old nature, we, we have to be willing to be exposed to him. We have to willing, be willing to be honest with him and say, I got a problem in this area. Many people don't want to change. They, they want to change, but they don't want to be exposed. We're so ashamed of the, the sin, and we're so, we're so, how can I say, we're, we're condemning ourselves so much that we're so used to hiding that sin from people that we end up hiding it from God, and he can't help nobody change who won't admit that they need to be changed. So throwing off the old nature is not just about, you know, well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here, Lord, but it's about being vulnerable with him. It's about being honest with him. Because when I'm vulnerable with him and I'm honest with him, that is also a part of me acknowledging that he loves me so much that he's not going to hurt me. Think about it in your life. Many of us have been hurt by people, and as a result, we become closed and guarded. 
We put up shields and we put up walls and those things protect us so we feel from being hurt again. But God is never going to hurt you. He's only here to help you. He's only here to love you and he's only here to help you be who he's created you to be. But you got to make a decision that I'm going to throw off this old nature. Uh, go back to 17 and we'll just read it up. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. This former way of life is corrupted by lust and is corrupted by deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Who's responsible? You know, remember the other one, uh, the other virgin called it the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind is your thoughts and attitudes. Who renews your thoughts and attitudes? Who renews your thoughts and attitudes? Is it your responsibility to change the way you think? No, what's your responsibility according to the scripture so far? Believe is the ultimate answer, but what, what some, I heard one person said, what's your responsibility according, I think it was verse 21. Well, first, I got to throw off. Then second, somebody said it over here, I got to let the Holy Spirit. I got to throw off, and then I just got to let. Now, is that physical that I got to do that? No, but, but, but is that physical? Can I, can, I, can I let him physically? Letting is a release in the mind that says, I am submitting. You know, sometimes we, we have these um, sermons, but we got to make sure it's really practical where you can actually go home and do this stuff. And that's why the, the, the person who said sometimes it, they're, they're actually uh, partially right because it's when I'm submitting to him, you'll see it. You'll see it in how I'm behaving and how I'm talking, but it starts in the mind. I have to make a decision that when something crazy happens, I'm not going to be like I used to be. Instead, I'm going to submit to the will of the Father in this situation. Amen. Somebody cussed me out, I used to cuss them back out. That was the old you. Somebody hurt you, 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 you hurt them back. Somebody hit you, you hit them harder. That was the old you. The new you is submitted, and the new you lets the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and actions. Why? Why would I do that? Because I've made the decision to throw off the old man. Are you seeing this? Somebody say, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change. You got to throw off and you got to let. Because if you throw off that old nature, you're now exposed. And then if you begin to let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, you are now being clothed in him. He is your new covering. I said he is your new covering. It's time for some of us to change clothes. We, we got the old, dirty, nasty, stinky stuff on, and he's saying, take that off and put me on. You've done it in your, with your spirit. I am in you and I'm on you but now your mind has to go through that similar process and just like you let me into your heart your spirit now what you need to do is let me be the Lord of your mind if you understand it say amen, amen. all right let's keep going it says instead uh let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new what so you got to, number one, throw off. Number two, let the Holy Spirit renew. And then number three, 
put on, put on what? New nature. Put on a new nature. Uh, as verse 24, the Amplified says it this way, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. This version says, put on your new nature, create it to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Isn't that what every Christian talks about they're trying to be? Isn't that what we go to church for all the time? I want to be more like him. I want to be more like Jesus. Lord, make me more like you. I want to be close to me, closer to you. He's saying, very simply put, this is how you do it. Submit your will. Submit your will. You, you've submitted, you've submitted your, your spirit, if you will. You're saved. Grace has saved you. Now submit your will, your mind, your emotions. Submit that part of you to me, he's saying. And when you do that, you will put on your new nature, and your new nature is Christ. You put on this new nature, you put on this new nature, which is Christ, who is created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. Now understand, holiness is not just a behavior thing. Holiness actually really means that you're standing apart from the world. But not just standing apart from the world in action, it literally is talking about when you're the righteousness of God and you're holy, how the world responds and reacts is not how you respond and react to things. Meaning, if the world is going through a crisis of famine and poverty and all that stuff, it doesn't happen for the believer because we're, we're holy. We're set apart from that. What happens to them doesn't happen to us because we're holy. When they're going through turmoil and they're going through pain and they're going through suffering, the believer doesn't go through that because we are the righteousness of God and we are holy or we are set apart from that, not because of all of our fantastic actions. We're set apart from that because of his love. We're set apart from that because of his grace, but we indeed are set apart. That's what it actually means to be holy. This whole time, we've made holiness seem like you're holiness because of how you dress. You're holy, you're holy because of you don't put on makeup. You're holy because you, you don't put nothing in your hair or, 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 you, or you wear suits every day to church. That's just uncomfortable. That's not holy. Amen. Holiness is when there's darkness in Egypt, there's light in Goshen. That's, that's holiness. And the Bible says you are holy. Why? Because you're the righteousness of God. Why? Because of what Jesus did. So he says put on your new nature. Don't be dark in your minds. Don't be ignorant to the truth like it talks about in verse 17 and 18. Don't be ignorant to this truth that all is well in your life because of what Christ has done. So if I want to change, I have to throw off that old nature. I have to let the Holy Spirit renew my thoughts. And then I have to put on this new nature. When I put on this new nature, I have to realize a simple truth that I am saved. Somebody say that with me real quick. Say, I, I am saved. saved. Now, we talked about this before, about our spirit being saved, and that being the first initial change that happens in the life of a, of a believer. We're saved because of faith in Jesus Christ or because of believing in what grace has done. And when we're saved, yes, it means we're not going to hell. Yes, it also, though, means I have the righteousness of God, I am the righteousness of God, and also I have access to the Father. This last bullet point, uh, two bullet points that we have freedom from the law and uh, freedom from the penalty and power uh, of sin. But these two I'm going to focus on tonight, that when you are saved, you are the righteousness of God and you have access to the Father. You are the righteousness of God and you have access to the Father. Somebody says, well, okay, big deal. I'm the righteousness of God, and I have access to the Father. Well, that's the whole deal. Because you are right with God, you are now a joint heir with Christ. We've read that multiple times. And because you are an heir, that means you are an owner of all the promises that were given by God to Jesus and to all believers. You are right with God. But the enemy wants to keep you confused, as we just saw in here, thinking that you are not right with God. 
He wants to block your sight, or as the New Testament talks about, keep a veil over your eyes to what the truth is so that you continue to operate like the old you. I hope you're seeing this. Because if he can keep that veil over your eyes and keep your mind darkened to the truth of who you are, that you are indeed saved. And if I'm saved, I'm right with God. And if I'm right with God, I got access to the Father. I don't have to go begging, to, can, I, can I come in, God? You're already seated with Christ Jesus. I gotta, I gotta enter, I gotta, uh, you're there! You are in the presence. You're, you're there because you are with Christ. You already have access. But as soon as something goes wrong in the life of a believer, we think that we have to go and do something to regain access that we already have. We think we have to go do something to get a blessing that's already ours. Say this with me. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. And if you're saved, you are the righteousness of God and you have access to the Father. There was somebody who didn't quite understand what it is he already had. We've read this story over and over again. And in keeping in line with looking at people who put things on, we looked at Joseph, like I said. We looked at David the other day about putting on Saul's armor and then taking it off and sticking with what Jesus uh, had already provided him with. The prodigal son, we often look at him. And you remember he got the coat and he got the shoes and he got the ring? And we're going to read the story real quick, but I want you to pay attention to not just the prodigal son, but we're going to take a look at his brother. Go with me to Luke chapter 15. We're going to hop around. Luke chapter 15, we'll start with verse 1. And, I want, and just to kind of, uh, for the sake of time, I want to look at his brother because we always look at the prodigal son because he represents the son who got lost and then was restored. Well, that definitely could be us when we're not saved, right? You know, we're children of God because of what Adam did, you know, the fall of man, and then we were returned, you know, back into right standing with God. Definitely represents the prodigal son. It could even represent us in our mind being changed and the veil being taken off, and now we're in right understanding. That could represent the son who was lost too. But I think there's a whole story in the son who was already there, Already right, already operating under grace, already believing in what dad has provided. Not straying, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at. I think that's many Christians today. We're, we're right where God wants us to be at and we're right where we're supposed to be at, but sometimes we're blinded to everything we already got. Luke 15, uh, verse 1, it says, tax, collect tax collectors and other notorious, what type of people? Tax collectors. This was Jesus' congregation. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Tax collectors was often crooked. And other notorious sinners often came, often came, often came. They, he was preaching a message that sinners wanted to hear often came to listen to Jesus teach. No wonder they had a problem with him. They was like, your church ain't supposed to look like that. Your church is supposed to be full of people who dress right. Your church is supposed to be full of people who act right. You dare not have cheaters in your church. You dare not have uh, 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 prostitutes in your church. You dare not have homosexuals in your church. You bet, you bet, your church needs to look a certain way, Jesus. He said, no, when you preach in love, love attracts sinners. When you're preaching grace, grace attracts sinners. If you ain't attracting sinners, then what you preaching? I, I, I want our church to continue to repel religious people. That means we're doing it right. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Oh, he even ate with them. <laughs> Skip to verse 21. It, well, it says there, so Jesus told him the story, but go to verse 21. And he, he basically began to tell him the story about the prodigal son. 
21. One more. Yeah, it says, his son said to him, this is after the prodigal son came back home. I'm skipping through that because y'all have heard that story many times. Okay, <laughs> his son said to him, read this with me. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Anybody ever been there before? Now, this son went out there, he acted up, but he had a change of mind. He decided to throw off that old nature and say, wait a minute, even my father's servants got food to eat. He said, I'm going to change the way I'm thinking, and I think I'm going to head back home. So he threw off that old mindset, and he came back home with a repentant heart. He said, you know what? I'm going to change the way I think, and I'm going to put some action behind it, and he showed back up. But then his father said something very interesting to him. But his father said to the, I mean, said something very interesting, not even addressing what he said. But his father said to the, who did he talk to? The servants. Not a son. Just said, hey, dad, I'm sorry. But the father didn't even acknowledge what the son had said. You want to know why? Because the father didn't even see the sin of the son because the father had already forgiven the sin of the son before it was even committed. And so has God already done with you. And that's the truth that you need to see and rip the veil back and say, wait a minute, I'm already forgiven. Grace forgives you before you show up with all your sorries. The repentance is for you, not for God. The repentance is you changing your mind and heading the opposite way. God has already forgiven you. That's what this whole thing of, well, I got to go tell God. God's not interested. He, he's interested from the standpoint of your heart changing, but that's for you. The blood of Jesus has already taken care of your sins. The blood of Jesus has already said sorry forever to God on your behalf. God is just waiting for you to throw off, let him change, and then put on who you really are. All of heaven is commanded to respond to the believer who is standing in their rightful place. Here's a son who showed up in his rightful place and the servants had to go into action on his behalf. Didn't matter what he did wrong. It just took him being willing to change. And when he was willing to change, he showed back up to the place of provision and the provider then gave him what was already his. And it's the same for us. We think we got to do all this stuff and all God is saying is just show back up. But if you show back up, that means that you've chosen me. That means you've chosen my house. That means you've chosen my way. And if you choose me, it's going to be nothing but good for you. You may think you're going to have to get your speech together for God before God to show up and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I did this. I'm sorry. He's like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, angels, I need you to do this. Uh, I need you to do that. Uh, millionaire, I need you to do this. Uh, breakthrough, I need you there. And, and he just begins to command things on your behalf. The blessing is already yours. The question is, are you willing to change and then show up so that you can receive all that he already has for you? But his father said to the servants, how soon? How soon? I declare quick blessings in your life. Now, quick blessings. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Now, I just want to pause. I know we're getting to the other son, but I want to pause and just let you see what happened. He said, quick, right now, go and get the finest robe. And I think that's symbolic. Here's a son who left home, and when he left home, I believe it represents that he left his covering. It's very symbolic and similar to what Adam did and Eve did in the garden. When they 
chose their way instead of God's way. And that glory covering left off of them. I think it's the same thing here that when he left, he left that covering. And then he got out into the world and got beat up pretty bad. Why? Because he was exposed. But then he made the choice to expose his sinful ways and show back up and he received covering again. And not just any covering, it was the finest. I think, again, this is representing God's glory being returned unto his son. And when you were saved, the glory was returned to you. And then he put a ring on his finger. I don't think that was just because. A ring, you know, represents commitment. It represents a seal. When you get married, it's a covenant thing. And I think this ring was representative, uh, a representation of the covenant and the seal that, that you are mine. You think about family rings. It's your part of the family. This, 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 ain't, this ain't coming off. This ain't changing. And then last but not least, the shoes he gave him. And I think about when Ephesians 6 talks about our feet being shod with the preparation of peace. And we've understood that word peace and it is the same in that scripture, really talks about the assurance that we have based on what Jesus has already done for us. So here it is. He's putting back on his righteousness. He's sealed. And he has peace. All being returned to him. Why? Because he showed back up home. He was ready for a change. And he says, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. Keep going. For this son of whose? The son of mine. You can't help but see the reference or the, the parallel to Jesus when he got baptized and then God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that same son is now who we are joined with. This son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And what did he say after that? So keep the party going. You got to understand, God's not mad at you. You got to understand, God's not even in a bad mood with you. You must realize that you are in a constant party with your father. There's a celebration that's nonstop that's going on with you and God. Get this picture out of your mind that it is this somber, depressing thing where you have to cry and you're just at the feet of God. He's like, why is she crying in a party? Why are they depressed? It's a party. Why are they falling apart? It's a party. We're celebrating. This is a life. This is an abundant life. This is a full life. This is a joyful life. This is good times. And only the blinded person, only the darkened mind person, only the hardened heart person, only the person who's lost is, 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 is that person who is, is uh, uh, sad and depressed and, and broken in that sense. God's like, but those who know me, those who've been submitted and willing, willing to just let me renew them and change them, they know the truth, that they are my righteous. They're sealed with me, and they got peace. Grace has done it all, and they're enjoying the good life. He said, so the party began. Let's keep going. Meanwhile, somebody say meanwhile. The older son, the one who's supposed to be more mature, the one who's supposed to know better, was in the fields doing what? I think that's very significant because you have a lot of believers and and and. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's going to help me say this the way we need to hear it here tonight. As we step out and do all that God has called us to do at church, you have to keep your hearts guarded because you're going to be the older sons in the field. And as the lost come into our church, you're going to have to be careful not to become envious and jealous of the breakthrough that takes place in their lives. 
You're going to have to make sure you don't begin to compare yourselves amongst all of them as they begin to step into their gifts and their graces and, and, and their revelations and all these types of things and, and thinking all of a sudden God is rewarding them more than you. Because the older son was in the field working. You're going to be like, Lord, I've been here for 20, I've been saved for 25 years. And you did that for them and you hadn't done it for me yet. Don't allow your process to change, of change or mind renew to become stunted because of what God is doing in somebody else's life. He was in the fields working and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing at where? In the house. Keep going. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. They said, your brother is back. And your father has killed the fountain calf. We are celebrating because of his, there's that word, safe return. Sounds like he was saved. The oldest brother was angry and wouldn't even go in. That's his brother. That's his lost brother. That's his confu previously confused brother. That's his brother who has made a decision to change and to come back home, and he got to focusing on not his brother, not even his father. I mean, if nothing else, even if you're not too happy with your brother because maybe you think he should have known better, wouldn't you at least be happy for your dad that his kid came back home? But he couldn't look at his brother. He couldn't even look at his daddy. He couldn't look at the fact that his brother came home safely. All he was thinking about was him. And I think that's a warning for believers that even in our maturity, there's still room to grow. Even in our, I've been saved for this long and I'm serving in the church and doing this, that, and that, I'm pastor so-and-so or minister, whoever, that there's still an opportunity to make sure we are continually allowing the Holy Spirit to renew us. His father literally came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me, those are words you should never find yourself saying to God because he's given you everything. You never gave me even one young goat. He said, you gave him the fatted calf and I didn't even get a little goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money now, I think that's interesting. He's talked about goats and calves and money. Sounds like the spirit of mammon controlling this boy. Goats, calves, and mammon. That's what he's thinking about. Goats, calves, and money, sorry. That's what he's talking about. His brother came back home and all he can think about is possessions. On prostitutes. And you celebrate him by killing a fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And what? Everything. How much? Always. How much money? Everything. How many goats? Always. How many calves? Always. How many rings? Always. How many robes? Always. How many peaceful shoes? <laughs> he said, everything in the closet is yours. Everything on the hill is yours. Everything in the house is yours. He's saying, I didn't know I had to give you what you already had. But because of your darkened mind, because you hadn't thrown the old man all the way off, because you've been serving me with conditions, you don't see the truth. That I've given you everything. We got to see the truth tonight. What's in it for you 
is the truth that God has already provided you with everything. Yes, you were once lost, but now you're found. Yes, you were the prodigal at one point, but now you're the prominent. You are the son, you are the daughter who is mature, and I say tonight, make the decision to receive all that he has for you. Everything God has is already yours. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to beg for it. You're not going to get jealous because somebody else is getting something because he's looking at you and said, you've been by me this whole time. You've received this gospel of grace. You've received my son. You go to church and do whatever, everything I've asked you to do. You're out in the fields and you're working and you're serving. Yeah, you may think everything's not perfect, but I'm telling you everything is right. I have already provided everything for you. Everything I have is yours. Now if you stop whining, just receive it and walk in it and watch the glory of God overtake you. The same blessing that was given to the prodigal is already yours. But you got to make a choice that tonight I'm not going to have a hardened heart. I'm not going to hold on to nothing from the past. I'm going to throw all that off again. Somebody say again. again. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit, with my grown self, grow me some more. And tonight I'm going to, my growth, our growth tonight is seeing this truth. I already have everything that's his. Say this with me. I am an heir, am an heir. of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. Jesus gets no more or no less than I do. I have what he has. And we have all, everything, every last bit of what God has. This earth is ours and the fullness thereof. I receive it. It's mine right now. Holy Spirit, teach me, show me how to use and appropriate this blessing on earth on behalf of my Father. I don't work to get from him. I work because I have already everything he has. My work is out of thanksgiving. My work is out of obedience. My work is out of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise for that. So now when you go home for the rest of this week, you, you, don't, you don't go uh, even, yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. When you come and serve at church, when you come to church, when you give, when you worship, all that's worship. When you worship, don't do what he did. Don't, don't worship out of condition. Lord, I'm doing this so that I can be right with you or so that I can be, uh, so that I can earn this from you or earn that from you. That's what the son was saying. He said, he, I, I've been here this whole time, so I've earned what he got. And he said, you already had it, and you didn't have to earn nothing. God is saying, you already got it. So when you show up to church on Sunday, show up just out of love. When you sow tonight, sow out of love. The blessing is already yours. Tomorrow when you wake up and you give God praise, don't give him praise out of religion. And Lord, I got to start my day off right now with you because if I don't start my day off right with you, it's going to be a bad day. No, it's a good day because it's a day he's made. And because you're his child, is good. And you thank him when your feet hit that floor just because he's good. Remind yourself all throughout this week that I am the righteousness of God. I'm a son and I'm a daughter and all is well in every area of my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank and praise you once again for these, your precious sheep. Lord, I thank you that as your sons and daughters, we are reminded of the truth 
that we are already recipients of your goodness, of your blessing. And I thank you that the veil is constantly thrown back and torn off. And our hearts remain soft and pliable to the truth of what grace has already provided. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And Father, as our brothers and sisters return home, may nothing short of praise be on our lips for what you're going to do and have done in their lives. May we never set foot outside of your house when the party is going on for their return. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise for victory in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Come on, give God one more hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we love you guys so much. We'll see you all on Sunday. Um, we'll be out at the South location tomorrow night. Uh, feel free to tune in. Catch the next part of this on tomorrow night uh, on our YouTube broadcast, and then we'll be back on Sunday to finish it up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome word. Thank you, Pastor. Good to have Pastor back in the house. Amen. Amen. Awesome word. Awesome word. Thank you, Lord. Well, now it's time to give out of love. Amen. Let's go ahead and prepare your text by giving. Those of you streaming by internet, it's uh, on the screen and you can follow those instructions if it's not already uh, in your phone. Let's go ahead and take time to prepare our, our love offering. Amen? It's good to act in love. God is good. He loves us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Everybody have their offering already prepared? Go ahead and raise your phones up. And we, we thank you, Father, for that love offering. We thank you that it's already blessed. We thank you, Lord, that this is a seed that goes and it, it grows because it's done out of obedience and it's done out of, of celebration of love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we definitely um, do not want to be dismissed without um, giving you the opportunity to experience this awesome love of Christ, amen? Through accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And the gift of um, speaking in tongues with the, with, the, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's a gift that the Word says is a, it's a gift, it's a prayer language, it's, a, it's empowerment, amen? It's a grace gift from God. As well as the third uh, um, invitation is to join this great ministry. This is a wonderful ministry that you've already experienced tonight that teaches the word, amen? And that is a, a ministry of grace and love. So if any of those three appeals appeal to you, we ask that you would come forward. Um, let's go ahead and stand to our feet and just kind of minister to those around us. I think we're all good tonight, but you never know, amen? Someone may need something from the Lord, amen, tonight. So you already received that, but we want to take an extra step. Let's go ahead and take a minute just to minister to each other. Amen. Everybody good? Okay. Let's give, put our hands together one more time for the awesome word tonight. Awesome, awesome word. Life-changing word. Well, I have one more awesome announcement. So as we announced on last Sunday, that um, this Sunday, December 1st, is our 10th anniversary for this ministry. Amen? So, ask that you all come on out, bring a friend, tell others. We're going to have an awesome anniversary celebration this Sunday. Amen? We've been passing say celebrate. We celebrate our relationship with Christ, but let's come out and celebrate this awesome, awesome 10th anniversary. It's a blessing to be here in Houston for 10 years. Amen? So uh, let's go ahead and lift our hands and be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for as, as we grow, Father God, as we receive this word. We thank you that this word is just not for us. But you've given us this word so we can give it out to others. So we can, we can go and share this word that will compel someone else to grow in you and to, uh, and to desire to receive the love that you have for them. 
We thank you that we are blessed and we are encouraged in every situation that we might find ourselves in. We thank you that it's already yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be blessed. Enjoy your week.